from the trenches. Welcome to Reality Check, a podcast for accountants, hosted by Shay Thaya and Rebecca Mahalik. In this podcast, we dive deep into important topics and moments worth celebrating in the accounting industry. This show is brought to you by From the Trenches, Real Life in Accounting. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Reality Check with Shay and Beck, with Beck and Shay. I still don't know which way we should say that. Sounds good. Either way, I think. My name is Shay, and I am here with the beautiful Rebecca Mahalik. How are you, Beck? I'm good. Thank you so much, Shay, for that lovely introduction. And I think we can be Beck and Shay or Shay and Beck. Whatever works, it's fine. Yeah, I love it. I always think you are exceptionally stunning. I'm feeling particularly attractive <laughs> today after a little trip to the surgeon on Friday, not for a facelift. That would have been nice. Approaching 40 and all, let's get our vanity on. But I thought, do you know what? I've actually found this week the grapevine has really been rather noisy. I don't know if you've noticed that, Beth. Yes, I've seen a lot of people getting quite upset over maybe trivial, unimportant items, sharing gossip here and there. And it's like, I get it. That's what social media is for. It's fine. But I personally know that I'm super busy right now and I don't know how people find time for some of this rubbish. Oh, my gosh. I think it's coming out of some of the big events like ZeroCon in the UK and everyone's getting excited and getting around other people again and little things turn into big things, turn into whispers about this, turn into all sorts of speculation. So today I got a message on LinkedIn from a very reputable source asking me if QuickBooks, if the business that I work for is acquiring Dext. And I was like, goodness, that certainly hasn't come across my desk. Not that I know everything, but I found that quite hysterical. And I was like, oh, golly, well, unless you know something that I don't, my friend, my friend on the grapevine. So it's hilarious. And then the other one that I heard was that QuickBooks is pulling out of the UK. And I thought, oh, goodness me, I better get on the phone to my colleagues in the UK and be like, "Mm, you didn't let me in on that one, which clearly, clearly not true. I mean, look. When there's a bit of argy-bargy in the UK, right? From a QuickBooks perspective, we were going really well for a little while and Zero's edged ahead and then Sage is coming back and then QuickBooks is saying, goodness, we need to take a bit more uh, market share back, but we're certainly not pulling out. I find it really, really hilarious. And to your point, don't people have other things to do with their time? (laughs) Is that gossip? Well, in saying that, we're probably really happy that people don't have better things to do with their time because they wouldn't be listening to us if they did. Oh. So continue to waste your time listening <laughs> to us, complain, and tell our colleagues. This is, you know, it's what you were here for. Have a glass of wine, listen to a couple of girls whinge about the accounting industry. Why not? Speaking <laughs> of which, yes, the grapevine leads me to my worst on ground for this week, which, Miss Dyer, is you. <laughs> What? You are my worst on ground. Oh, my God. And that came to me via the grapevine because apparently you did a lovely little webinar or webcast with Accountants Daily where you told accountants that they should be offering fee discounts. Now, if anybody knows anything about me, would know I would personally not be on board with that advice 
in 98% of circumstances, but maybe 2%. So explain yourself. Oh my gosh, I'm mortified. (laughs) (laughs) I did indeed do a webcast with accountants daily. Goodness, there's been a few of them. I'm almost a bit flattered. I'm a bit flattered that we had so many people tune in to a QuickBooks webcast with accountants daily that this was the grapevine. So just to be clear, I think what I was talking about was a whole bunch of strategies to help get your client work in earlier over the year, right? So it's not just all at peak time. So I was completely stealing ideas from other smart people. And I'm not trying to pass off giving fee discounts as not my idea. It it definitely wasn't. But what I was talking about was let's give our clients some incentives to get us their stuff when it's not our peak season. So like at the back end of September, that kind of time, one of my suggestions was definitely recycled from good friends of yours and mine that from Ali and Andy's, eh, Ali and Andy, Ali and Andrews, all of the accounting adventures on their show, they were talking about maybe you could incentivize clients by offering to donate to charity if they get their gear in by a certain time. And there was a very small suggestion for me, maybe you could think about a teeny tiny fee discount if that was something that works with your pricing strategy. I find that hysterical. I find that absolutely hysterical that that's hit the grapevine. Oh my gosh. Talk about I feel like a politician being absolutely context. And people are definitely bringing that to me to stir me up because I am all about the opposite. I am about increasing your prices, talking about your value. And I understand that there is definitely circumstances where a discount can be applied. But if you are going to do it, there are so many rules you need to put around your discount. Number one, tell your clients you're giving a discount so that next year you don't have to do it again. It's a once-off. This is what it is. When you quote a new client, and you're talking about discounted fees, if you don't tell them that you're giving them a startup discount or a first year discount, you're doing nothing other than shooting yourself in the foot. So that advice, while might be okay in a very limited amount of circumstances, needs a whole lot of extra context and rules around it to even fly by me at all. But yeah, great find, super fun place to live. I don't disagree with you. Actually, I completely agree with you. You said something to me the other day. We were talking about discounting and being strategic about how we use that word and making sure that we don't ever break that floor. So what's the list price? We don't go below the list price. It might feel like a discount. And as long as it feels like a discount, it has the intended incentive, but we don't go below our floor. So Absolutely. We all still need to make money. We're all busy. Our costs are all increasing Mm -hmm. and yeah, discounting 100% can work in certain circumstances, but make sure that you're still making money off your fees and don't do work for free, except for charities. I do lots of work for free for charities. That is my bleeding heart syndrome. But aside from that, if people can afford to pay you, you make sure you take their money. I totally, totally hear you. I'm sorry. Gosh, we could have broken up over something like that. How mortifying. Absolutely. I'm still going to roll back on the fact that I'm impressed that we had people listening and talking about our webcast. So I'll be sure to give that feedback back to the team. Oh my goodness. I've got a best on ground. You know, I was really impressed this week and I don't mean to use that word and sound condescending at all, but use things. Sometimes your weeks go so poorly 
and something really just lights you up and you think, do you know what, there is some good in the world. So a friend of mine by the name of Liam McNamara, he runs a firm in Adelaide, Radelaide, called Project Alfred. So breakaway from Liam was part of a, a larger firm for a long time. We met during that time and always used to have, to be honest, a bit of a bitch and a moan about the mid-tier. But neither of us did anything about it. So it was kind of that thing of, on who you go, on who you go. Anyway, we're both gone now and everything is great. I think it was about six months ago, he created this salary checking tool for the accounting industry. So sort of crowdsourcing data straight out of the industry. And I think it must have been on the back of when the CA came out with their REM survey and he released his findings. I'm not going to go through all of the data, but basically it said the absolute bleeding obvious that there is a quantifiable and obvious and material gender pay gap. Certainly within his data set, this reflects the same data set. It reflects the same results from the data set from the CA and whatnot. And I just really love that he's done this because He's one of those amazing allies who is like, this is a stupid thing. We shouldn't even have to talk about this. This shouldn't be an issue. And so this is my absolute best on ground this week because I just love a bit of allyship. It lights me up. It makes things easier. And I think there's a bit of a theme that's going to happen today when I talk about my worst on ground later. But it's about the bleeding obvious. And I just love that he's done this. It's fantastic. And, you know, the best part about it is that it's a bloke. Mm. That's the best part about all of this because what has happened, what I've seen happen repeatedly in our industry is there are men who really actually generally care about this issue or who are actively trying to solve some of these problems, maybe not on a grand scale, but at least within the firms in which they work. I see this happen all the time. I've spent many years of my more recent career being surrounded by great men who were gender blind helped me pull myself up out of previous oppressions. Amazing individuals. But the problem is they don't often speak up and loudly about the issues that are being faced because they can be shot down. And that is really upsetting because we need all the allies that we can have. This is something that's going to require both men and women to actively work together to fix. And If we shoot men down for having a voice around a very real issue, we'll end up with a situation. The good men just would be too scared to say anything, and I know plenty of those, or they'll completely lose interest and won't want to help anymore because it's all too hard, and they'll walk away. And we need those guys to be involved, and we need to embrace them and thank them. So, Liam, awesome, mate. I know. Big high five to Liam and I totally hear you I think there's that fine line between those of us that are so passionate about this stuff where we we can risk scaring off some people that really want to support and want better things to happen it's not about it's not about getting it perfect right like I, I feel myself completely overusing this phrase lately but not letting perfect get in the way of good but we're always striving for awesome We've used it in our team charter. I've used it in some consulting work. And I just, it keeps sort of flying around and sort of smacking me in the face. I thought about it the other night when we've just been moving house this weekend and I can tell you it's like a bomb's gone off. We've got this beautiful new house with just stuff everywhere 
And it's like, do you know what? Not everything has to have its perfect home straight away. Just get it away, get it done. It's okay. It's good. It's good enough. And so I think, yeah, I love this and I love Liam's courage. He will say, I'm not courageous. This is a no-brainer because I just know him. But it is, it's hard because there's a lot of judgment that comes along, particularly between our male colleagues about where they stand on this. And to be honest, like the industry is one of the most clear examples of like a persistent patriarchy, right? So it's always had an imbalance of power sitting with men. It's a boys club. We've known that. And it's shifting and things are getting better and all of that sort of stuff. I'm not meaning to be really negative, but the facts are the facts are the facts where we see a control by men of a disproportionately large share of the power. This is what patriarchy is, right? So I love that he's bringing light, that we have robust conversations online. And I'm actually really excited to see the CA's REM study come out again. Have you filled out yours? You probably haven't had time. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it sitting in my inbox. Yeah, look, I'm excited about it, about seeing the data to see if there's been any shift and seeing if I actually agree with the data as well. It's always interesting. Yeah. But I really hope that maybe this time there's some more takeaway actions that come out of the REM report mm. or just something that some advice, some steps, some proactive approach that comes out of this report instead of it just being a data set i would high five you if we were in the same room oh my goodness and i want to be really delicate here because i don't want to be too critical of our colleagues at the ca because i'm not in the business of bringing other women down however in the uk and i'm going to misquote this but similar issues are being addressed in a much more meaty way. So with teeth, it's my understanding that there's certain targets that have been set at the membership body level. They're taking a really strong leadership position in the industry. Now, I can't help but think that that might be very challenging for the CA in Australia just given the influence that sits around it. Like I know we have Ainsley, I know we have an amazing female chair whose name escapes me. I'm hopeless with names. This is my worst trait ever. I'm so, so sorry. But I can't help but think, despite the fact that we have those strong women leading that organisation, the strings of power might not all sit with them. I think about all of the regional councils I think about all the representation from big four that would be heavily stacked against this issue and how much that contributes to the running of the organization and the funding of the organization all this sort of stuff so it's a big hard thing to tackle but I am I'm not a religious person but I'm like praying I'm just sending out into the universe all the courage that I could possibly muster and say can we please come at this with a bit more courage can we come at it with a bit more teeth and I'm completely assuming that the data will come out and be similar to last year and similar to the experience that you and I know to be truth but golly we went down a rabbit hole there (laughs) (laughs) shout out to Liam for starting that conversation good Wow. Wow. Well, while we're talking about Adelaideans, my best on ground is a little bit of a twist, but is about someone in Adelaide as well. 
So this is my best on ground, but not because this person is a great person, but because ASIC in my mind and probably in many people's minds have actually done the right thing and banned an individual over misleading conduct and not being a proper financial planner or at least sticking to his requirements. So this particular fella in Adelaide, Mr. Simeone, I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly or not, but I'm going to run with it. He advised in very short form a bunch of people who were going through financial distress during COVID to withdraw their money from industry and other super funds roll them into self-managed super funds, invest in his company, and then he lent the money back and then they could spend it. Now, with everything that has happened in the financial planning and wealth space over pretty much my whole entire career, it absolutely horrifies me that this occurred in the first place, that this guy was even still licensed at that point, didn't understand his obligations or didn't care about them. But what's best on ground for me is that this just happened. Like this is a COVID issue. We're still just coming out of COVID. ASIC has already found this guy, moved on this guy and removed him. So while I don't fully agree with a lot, like everything and how rigorous the whole environment has become, because there isn't a problem with access to financial advice now, particularly for some of the people who are really financially struggling, I do completely agree with everything they've done to get shonky people out of our industry. And I say our because although I'm not a financial planner, we do have financial planning business at Business Depot. So it's all in the accounting space. We're all in the advice space. We're working with clients. I don't give financial advice because I'm not licensed. And the fact that this guy can't do it anymore, that is my best on ground. That is awesome. It's kind of like a reverse best on ground but that's amazing nothing like waiting for the quarterly version of acuity to come out and flicking to the back pages of all the naughty list who's not getting presents from santa this year but you're absolutely right and you know you would be my dad's favorite person right now so my dad's a financial advisor he always has been and he runs a small practice and he runs a very successful practice that he's done by himself and he's my man i'm a daddy's girl absolutely if you can't tell already but always complaining about the cost of compliance from a financial planning practice. And like, not because he doesn't want to do a good job. He's Their practice has won awards for compliance for years and years and years. It's the fact that it's the dodgy ones that mean that all the rules and regs get tighter and tighter and tighter. So the administration gets harder and harder and harder and it costs more money. And so if you are a person with great values and great ethics, it costs you a lot of money to do business. And then it's very difficult as a consumer, so as a client, to differentiate. How do you know if someone is good or dodgy? I mean, you can read their marketing, but marketing's marketing's marketing. Yeah. Right? So I love that they've been quick to sort this guy out. I hope they sort a lot more guys out, people, a lot more bad actors, we should call them. I think that's what they call them technically. So I'm with you. I'm with you. Worst on ground for me this week, oh, my goodness. I said, I can't remember whether I said no-brainer or just bleedingly obvious is what I was talking about. So I was reading one of my favourite Americans, actually. There's not many of them, and it's, I'm not meaning to be, but there isn't, I don't know a lot of Americans. I'm getting to know more with this big American business that I work in. Mr. Blake Oliver has an amazing podcast, Cloud Accounting Podcast. He wrote an article that apparently was banned 
by one of the membership bodies in America because it was so controversial. And I was laughing and I was like, well, clearly I'm going to read this because he must have said something. He must have said something that was really not on. And all his article was about was pointing out that in the accounting industry in America, and look, it's not dissimilar in Australia, that we don't actually have, we don't have a necessarily a talent attraction problem or a pipeline problem. We have a retention problem. We can't keep people in the industry. And so his article goes on to talk about, yes, we don't have as many grads coming in and we've known this for a long time, you know, we've been forecasting to not have enough talent, but we've got things, the world has exacerbated these challenges, but that actually we're completely overlooking retention. It's in some of the most basic ways. So not paying people enough, working them to the ground, continuing to orient around this. It's almost like a machine or like a meat market, like just billable hours, just get in, crank it out. You don't have a face. You don't have a name. You barely get paid anything. And all wrapped around this idea, the reason this particular membership body got so cranky about it was because from their members' perspective, they're like, our firms are doing fine. Our firms are doing fine. We don't have an issue. And so it was my worst on ground because I firstly was like, well, none of that's controversial. It's factually accurate. Like it's a no-brainer. And to me, my opinion is it's just the bleedingly obvious truth, right, that we continue for, and I'm being very general here and I am not carving out, let's just, hang on, I'm just going to make a little box over here and put all of the very modern, broad-thinking, amazing firms that I know and love in it over there and then I'm going to come back to the general piece, right? So this generalisation where we're still well wrapped around billable hours, we bring people in, we expect them to do the hard yards because that's what we had to do growing up in the industry. We expect them to be okay on 55 grand and then we get cranky when the big firms want to pay them more and give them sign-on bonuses and all of that sort of stuff. We do a little bit of tax training but we don't really develop their souls we don't invest in our I don't know what the right I hate the phrase working capital because they're humans we don't invest in our people and then they go and so to me it was my worst on ground because I was like that is not controversial that's bleedingly obvious I'm getting a little bit tired to be honest of hearing about oh dear this is hard but I'm not going to change the way I operate I'm not going to do anything different I'm just going to be an ostrich stick my head in the sand because maybe at the point that I'm at in the firm maybe things look okay maybe I make enough money my kids go to private school I'm comfortable I drive a Mercedes never mind my whole team that's burnt out not paid enough can't get a house blah 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 anyway there's my rant this is where the reduced barriers to setting up your own business in our industry will continue to start to bite these people if you're going to continue to show a blind eye at what's going on around you and what the next generation wants and it's not just even solely in our industry but I see it in a lot of professional services I've got clients that are professional services and they've got huge retention issues staff will either go out and set up their own firm or they just leave the industry altogether and that's happening in accounting they'll come in because they think it's going to be great and it's going to be amazing and you know if you work at Disney Depot it is great and it is amazing but sometimes 
it's not. So you might set up your own firm or just leave altogether. I mean, you left. I like have moments where my foot's half in, half out. The tech industry is all about snapping up the accountants and taking them. I've had that same range myself. And there's a whole range of different industries. Accountants have always been great at running. Sorry, I'm going to rephrase that. Not all accountants. The good accountants, the great accountants who understand business are also really great at running businesses. And I've seen amazing ones leave and go into operation roles, into CEO roles, all these different roles. And they're leaving our industry and growing up through different channels to get what they want because we can't give it to them. And it's just rubbish. I totally agree. I was talking to a friend, another friend in Adelaide. Everything's happening in Adelaide this week. I don't know why. But just that example, this happened I can't even tell you how many times I saw this. It happened to me. It happened to my colleagues of, oh, we're having trouble recruiting for a role, but oh, we, we couldn't possibly go to market at market rates. We have to be a little bit under to make sure that we're getting a good deal. And, oh, okay, someone's going on mat leave. Well, we couldn't possibly give that person a pay rise, but the person that comes in will pay more than them because we couldn't get anyone else. And it's like, seriously? And you wonder why you have a retention problem. You wonder why people leave the industry. You wonder why you can throw 18-month contract roles around at a decent salary reflecting someone's expertise and they fall over themselves for it. They'll put down their debits and credits and they'll put down their numbers in a box and they'll put down all of that to go and do something that they've never done before that might be a bit scary just to feel like they're valued. It's a no-brainer for me. 100%. And I think that's it for us today, isn't it, Shay? I think that's it. It's been a big week already. It's only Wednesday. Goodness gracious. I hate to break it to you. It's Tuesday. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness. And with that, we are done. Thank you so much for tuning in to Reality Check with Beck and Shay. We look forward to seeing you and maybe seeing you next time. Thank you again, listeners. Beck and I would love to hear from you. We'd love your ideas. We'd love your feedback on everything, anything. We love all of it. I can be reached on Twitter, Shay underscore Thaya. So that's S-H-A-Y-E underscore Thaya, T-H-Y-E-R. And on LinkedIn, Shay Thaya. And I can be reached on Twitter and LinkedIn, both at Rebecca Mahalik, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-M-I-H-A-L-I-C. From the trenches.